Hello and welcome to this Cloud of Data podcast with your host, Paul Miller. I have been following the emerging data market space for a number of years, trying to understand the ways in which some of the companies who are beginning to appear there relate to one another and how they offer a value proposition to customers. During this series of podcasts, I'm going to be talking to stakeholders from a number of the leading players in the data market space. Microsoft, Factual, Kasabi, Infochimps, and a number of others. Each of these podcasts will be made available on the Cloud of Data website, as well as through iTunes and perhaps a number of other syndication routes. Please feel free to check back from time to time as new episodes become available. In this episode of the podcast, we explore some of the issues raised by the Open Knowledge Foundation. I'm joined by Rufus Pollock, co-founder and director of the Open Knowledge Foundation, and Irina Bolichevsky, who's project manager for their CCAN project. We explore the Open Knowledge Foundation, definitions of openness and knowledge, CCAN, their repository, which is widely used by governments and other agencies, and their hosted environment, the Data Hub, which begins to approach some of the ideas we've discussed elsewhere around data markets. Here are Rufus and Irina to lend their perspective to this ongoing conversation. Rufus, Irina, thank you very much for joining me for this podcast today. Before we talk about the Open Knowledge Foundation and all the things it's doing in this space, can you introduce yourselves briefly so that listeners know who you are and where you're from? Rufus. Hi, I'm uh, the co-founder and director of the Open Knowledge Foundation, and that's what I, that's what I, that's what I presently do, is, is help run it. Also, I helped uh, build the original version of CCAN itself, so, so I was kind of had, had a stake in its, its technical design and architecture. Okay, and we'll dig into that a bit in a moment. And Irina? Hi, Paul. And, uh, yep, I'm Irina. I'm the product owner and project manager of CCAN, um, having joined a few months ago. And before that, I've done kind of everything from being a philosophy consultant to working in a startup in London. Did you really just say philosophy consultant? I did say philosophy consultant. I was uh, I was particularly proud of that title. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, basically, it's... I helped curate a philosophy and music festival in terms of speakers and, and topics and things. But, okay. uh, as a as a philosophy expert. Right. Okay. <laughs> and I wonder how relevant that is to the rest of the conversation. I guess we'll Not find very... out. We'll find out in a moment. Um, so. The Open Knowledge Foundation, I guess it's probably one of those organisations that most of the people listening to this call have at least heard of, even if they're not entirely sure why or what it might do. So, the Open Knowledge Foundation, what is it? Sure. Well, I mean, in a nutshell, I mean, the foundation is a a community-based not-for-profit uh, that was found in 2004, uh, as such, which is now in, the, in this space quite a while ago. And in that sense, I think it's been, it's been a pioneer from its inception in the open data and, and open content and open knowledge space generally. And what the foundation does is, in, in, in essence, is promote open knowledge in some sense, but particularly by building tools and communities that can create, use and share open information uh, that's data, content, et cetera, that everyone can use, share, and build on. Um, and, we, you know, doing this because we believe that by creating an open knowledge commons and developing the tools and communities around that commons, we can make a significant contribution to governance, the economy, and innovation. I mean, one thing I should emphasize here, though, is in general, in creating tools, and we'll come to one of those tools later in this talk, we do create we do create material and tools that are sometimes of generic usage. So while our focus is open information, often the things we build can be used for open or closed information. In general, if you build a good tool, it's useful for both, for both purposes. And I think one of the issues in this space, certainly, is that people say things like open um, and mean all sorts of things by it. Indeed. The Open Knowledge Foundation actually knows what it means by open, doesn't it? That's quite right, Paul. So, I mean, one of the first things we did um, was, was very much, I must emphasize, inspired by the uh, free and open source software community, was create a definition, the open definition, uh, which you can find online at opendefinition.org, that says very simply what we mean and what we think people generally should mean by uh, open data or open content or open knowledge. And that, that, in a nutshell, is 
information, data, content that anyone um, can use, reuse, and redistribute. And that, that means without commercial, you know, restrictions, for example, on commercial use, whether you're a for-profit or a not-for-profit, you should be able to use that information, whether you're from the global south or the global north, whether you work, uh, you know, whether you work in the military or you work, uh, you know, in, as a humanitarian organization, you should be able to use that material. Um, and, and I mean, a key, a key reason for that, I should emphasize, uh, is not just some ideology, um, but it's, it's basically very practical. It's about interoperability. Um, if you stick to the definition, it means we genuinely get a commons, we genuinely get um, data and information that can be plugged together, that interopes, if you like. Whereas the moment we start deviating, once you know, we start saying, oh, well, but, you know, commercial organizations can't use this or, you know, organizations that, you know, aren't in education or are in education, you know, are the only people who can use this. We, we fracture the commons and we, we lose much of the kind of scaling benefit that we get from, from open data or open content. And are people allowed to make money from open data? Absolutely. I mean, I think one thing that we very much were, I think, was essential, I think, to open source software's success, free and open source software success, is the key point that it does not exclude um, commercial. In fact, it welcomes commercial participation. That's the same for us. I mean, a reason we're called, if you like, the Open Knowledge Foundation is, is to kind of imply that. And I think one of the things about open source, um, somewhat in contrast sometimes to free, free software, was it, it's, well, you know, it, it's clear statement that, look, while we think that openness is essential, we think that, that this, is, this, is a, this is beneficial to business um, and, or a key thing in doing good business. So I think we, that's the same here. I think um, we don't, you know, we think that open data is a really big commercial opportunity. Uh, we also think it, it is complementary. And, um, you know, I, and I think the final, you know, final point to make on that is that we believe there's going to be a rich ecosystem. While we obviously want more information and data to be open, we're not, uh, we're not fanatical about it and we're quite aware um, that there's going to remain a large amount of, of non-open data out there that will complement the open data ecosystem, if you like. And we're not, we're not fanatical about that. And we don't think that's necessarily you know, wrong or beyond the pale. We, we, kind of, we can encourage that, a mixed, a mixed economy, if you like. OK. Um, and moving on, getting a little more specific then, CCAN. Mm-hmm. What sure. is it and what does it do? Sure. Well, I mean, in a nutshell, um, CCAN is what I, I like to call uh, a data management system in an analogy with a content management system. Uh, it's a kind of a, a, a phrase uh, kind of thinking about what it did that, that we came to. And in a nutshell, what does that mean? It means CCAN uh, is a piece of software, open source software, that makes it easy to publish, index, view and share your data. Um, going back to that point, by the way, earlier about, you know, tools being generic, CCAN we developed particularly to support open data, but as, as a generic data management system, it can be used for open or, or closed information. Um, so, you know, for, for us, I think we do see this analogy with, with CMSs a bit. Back, back in, you know, the early days of the web, imagine it, uh, or, you know, even before the web, you know, organizations produced a large you know, amount of information themselves, corporations, whatever, and they probably published out into the world a very tiny amount of that. They would file annual returns, they would possibly produce press releases and, and brochures occasionally. Um, and then coming with the web, you know, we start to see, okay, people start to publish more and more information on the web. And there's two things about that. One is that I think because of its ability to allow us to publish, people publish more. But in addition, just looking at it from a completely very technical point of view. People began on the web, you know, writing HTML by hand and putting it up with an FTP uh, server. And gradually, uh, you know, that that didn't really cut it. And we started to develop tools that would help us manage that kind of publishing, sharing um, process around content in this case. And I think we see a somewhat similar thing going on now with data, which is um, people are wanting to start, one is this kind of an inversion because it's got cheaper again, People want to take information that was perhaps once only internally and put it out into the world. Um, governments want to do that. They want to take data that perhaps they once held internally and publish it out there for citizens, companies, and others to take and build on. And even companies want to, to do that. You know, we see Nike now saying, well, for us to scale, for us to do uh, sustainability, for us to really look at our supply chain um, effectively, we need to open up some of our data so that others can build on it and so other parts um, you know, other, other the people that we work with can contribute into that commons. 
So I think one is that that's going on. And two, the traditional way, to be blunt, that data's often got managed, uh, you know, at least kind of what I call the vast amount, amount of small and medium-sized data within organizations has been kind of Excel and, uh, you know, files strewn around your, your file system, the Z drive. And I think we're getting to a point, just like the early days of the web, where, you know, writing HTML files by hand and uploading them doesn't cut it anymore. Similarly, just Excel files strewn around the hard disk don't, don't cut it anymore. And something like CCAN helps both deal with this publishing out, although it obviously has abilities to keep things private and authorization and so on, but both to publish out, but also to go beyond Excel files and the Z drive. Um, and in that sense, that's why I kind of think of it as this data management system that makes it easy to publish, share, index, and view your data. So what more do you get using, using a tool like CCAN? How, how is it more than a web-accessible Z drive? Right. Well, I think, I mean, I think there are various things. So, I mean, I mean in the first instance, it's just, present, it's just presentation. I mean, just, putting, just exposing a file system on the web doesn't normally cut it that well to most people you know, you're trying to present information to. It doesn't have it very much support for things like metadata. Um, you know, one of the essential things about data is that you do normally need some information about that data. You know, you know when was it last updated? Uh, you know, what's its structure? Um, who, you know, who, who controlled it or approved it? Um, you know, just what, you know, what, what, its, what its name is and so on. Um, but you need to add to it. I mean, that's true of documents as well. You know, there's always a bit of, you know, when you even up, put up your post online, right, in your blogging software, you add a title and it has a date when it was published and that kind of thing, that basic metadata. But I think it's even more essential um, for data because it's somewhat more opaque. And people, when they're getting data or using it, want to know, know what they're getting before they have to kind of delve through 100,000 lines of, of CSV. So I think there's that aspect. I think there's a question of workflow. Um, again, so one of the things that something like CCAM provides is quite a rich workflow around publishing data. So, you know, if I'm a government, I possibly want to get data up, I want to put up metadata, but I want to have that reviewed and moderated before it goes public. Um, now, obviously, you can try doing things like that. You know, there's always the kind of little bits of, you know, sellotape bits of string. You know, you can email files around, you can do things on your hard disk, you can have folders where you move things around. But CCAM provides a structure for doing a lot of that. Um, I think the other thing it does, and which is I think one of the really major value adds, is obviously the kind of integrating things like the metadata, but with storage. So CCAN will handle um, storing data for you. Um, you know, it will integrate with S3 or Google Storage or any you know other cloud storage providers uh, or your local file system. It also now provides what we call the web store or structured storage, which means you can't do it necessarily for every piece of data, but for data that's suitable, you can get it into a structured database automatically. So people give me an Excel file or give me a CSV file, and we can automatically add an API. So if you want to then build a web, you know, if you're a government, you want to allow people to build web apps, just out of the box, you install CCAN, you can have a data, you know, a web, uh, a web suitable RESTful data API that people can build on. That also supports things like automatic visualization. So again, if you upload data to CCAN now, um, you, you can immediately get, you know, a preview of what the data looks like, you know, of what's in the data set. You can get basic graphing capabilities and so on. And you get this data API that allows people to build much richer applications and visualization on it. And does CCAN care what kind of data it's being given or will it take absolutely anything? Well, in the most basic sense, it will take absolutely anything. In the sense that, for for this, for basic metadata, your data, you know, your data can be anything. And in addition, uh, you know, the, the, the what we call kind of blob storage or the, the kind of simple file storage will obviously store any kind of data. So you know, you could upload PDFs or whatever. For the for the for the kind of data API for the web store stuff, then we 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 tend to prefer data that has a more tabular structure. There's also some integration on the linked data side for for kind of triple. Uh, like data that, that we've been that we've been working on recently, obviously you can't you know it, it's always that trade off you can't you can't provide uh, and you know you can't take absolutely any kind of data if you come up with some kind of wild kind of chemical data in some unknown um, you know markup format then you know you're going to need to have a struct you know normally you have to build a database that's suited to that data um, and I would emphasize you know, one pattern that we've seen and that we ex ourselves actually. Ex at the Open Knowledge Foundation in relation to another project that we have called uh, uh, Open Spending, which is about the, the government world 
because our own uh, install of, of, of CKL, the data hub, often for people to manage a lot of the data in the first instance. So when people are digging up data, they might find some PDFs and then someone might clean it up in CSV and that, that can all get, that kind of workflow can all get managed in CCAN. But then when they finished, um, they may, they, they actually produce the kind of data in the CSV that's in open spending format and it gets important to open spending. Um, and open spending, you know, has a database and data structure that's very, very specific to financial data and can provide certain functionality you know, better than you're going to get from a generic data store like CCAN. So I think that kind of gen general, general uh, you know, workflow combined with something specific is something quite powerful and we'll see quite a lot of. Yes, indeed. And I guess a lot of the early enthusiasm for CCAN, um, certainly from, from where I was sitting, seemed to be yeah. in the, the yeah. government space. Um, you know, it was people like Absolutely. the UK government and others seeing this as, as one way to meet their, their sudden newfound enthusiasm for transparency. Um, is that fair? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I think to go back, not not to, to blow our own horn, but I mean, we, we were pioneering in the sense that I think, you know, kind of we wrote, looking back, I mean, we didn't term it that way, but one of the first day we wrote, I think, certainly the first open source, the first one I could know ran in this way, you know, data management system that we started on CCAN in 2006, 2007, before kind of any of these things came into existence. And so it certainly was the case that when government started looking at this in 2008, 2009, um, you know, we already had something, you know, uh, designed for our own purposes originally, a uh, piece of open source software ready, ready to go. And governments, you know, to be clear, going back to this analogy I was saying with kind of CMSs, governments have been some of the first to look to this kind of somewhat inversion, saying suddenly, wow, we've got all this data internally, and uh, we want to you know, expose, in this case, completely openly to the public. Um, although I think in all organizations we're seeing a tendency to be towards greater information sharing. It may not be completely open to everyone, but it may even within an organization. So I think governments were, you know, were some of the first adopters. And you know, to, to talk about CCAN specifically here, we've had um, you know, dozens now. Uh, I think we're getting on for over 100 deployments worldwide. And you know, I, I think now over ten, you know, many governments. So data.gov.uk was obviously the first major adopter of CCAN. And, they deployed on CCAN in, in September 2009, and since then we've had, uh, you know, a, a several, ma many more government deployments. So the Netherlands government data site is running on CCAN, Norwegian, um, Helsinki region, um, Manchester, Manchester City. Uh, we've just got a new, new one that's going to go uh, up in, in, in Illinois, uh, in the States, with a partner that we're doing that, uh, doing. And obviously we've also, uh, you know, were successfully part of a partnership to, to build the European data portal that will go live later this year. So I think it is definitely true that governments have been um, the, some of the major adopters at this moment because it's they who've been kind of leading on saying, wow, we've got all this data that we want to make more, more available for people to build on uh, and have a lot of data. And I think also with governments, it's, it's a really nice use case because even if you kind of get behind the open data movement and say, hey, we're transparent, we're making all our data openly licensed, it doesn't do much use sort of sitting on a bunch of lots of different departmental websites with just little links to the data itself. And I think that's really where the value of CCAN comes across in, in its core offering, which is a kind of as a catalog and registry, because members of the public now have one single place to go and search for data. And this data all has sort of standards around it. So there's a standard set of metadata that the publishers kind of need to fill in, which means that, you know, we can index it properly. There are tags, there are things, there are ways to link between data and say, hey, this data is similar to this data. This is spending data, you know, under 25K and as is this. And you can suddenly sort of put it into a lot, into a kind of context in the ecosystem, which means that you can start thinking about doing something with the data. Because, I mean, part of, Part of the reason that data is valuable isn't just so that we think, oh, it's it's there somewhere. It's that we start doing something. Is that we do hold the government accountable and we turn that data into information. And to turn it into information, you have to kind of be able to get at it, visualize it, make it make sense, put it in a context that is meaningful. And uh, so I think the challenge really here is that, firstly, we the data needs to be of a good enough quality so it can be machine readable so i think that's sort of one of the challenges with gov with government data is making sure that it conforms to certain standards but also um making it much easier to kind of link between data sets and 
these are some of the things we're working on now, which is sort of what Rufus mentioned in terms of the web store, which is which powers our kind of preview in browsers. So you can actually look at the data and start building visualizations of it to give you an idea of what it is before you even download it. And I think, you know, one of the big issues there in a, enabling a lot of what you were just talking about there is good structure, good metadata, good context, which certainly with a lot of the earlier data coming mm. out of government and, and everyone else really wasn't there. You know, I've got a database on my hard drive. I know that all the heights are in metres. I know that all the, the, the lengths are in feet. Um, I'll just stick the database up and kind of assume that everyone else knows that too, and we didn't. Sure. Um, so how do you begin to enforce the the data contributor giving the information you need to actually make sense of what is being made available? Well, I mean, I think there are two... So I think one thing that is just like quality, right, is a quality point, right, which I think we all share, which is this kind of a raw data now, and then it's like, hey how do we go beyond the kind of raw data now to, you know, quality data now? Um, and I think, I mean, the simple answer to how do we drive quality, I think, is things like validators. I mean, it, you know, I mean, we have direct experience. I mean, going back to this open spending example, the UK government on data.gov.uk publishes a whole bunch of spending data. Um, now, what you really want, probably as a member of the public, is all of that spending data in one, in a high, you know, in a, in a, all of it in the same format and so on. And, you know, we, heart, we actually ourselves have to consume that data because we use it for open spending. And when you look at the data sets, there are like, I think, 1,200 different CSVs ultimately on data.gov.uk or something like that. And, uh, you know, some of them don't conform to even the very simple spec that requires 13, you know, about only about 10 column you know, headers and sometimes the date formats are, are right and so on. And, you know, for me, though, the illustrative logic there is, one is we can push government, so we can, you know, you can create validation, you can create ways of enforcing some degree of quality. But the other is just the ecosystem. So one thing that happens is we, or others, go and get that data, we clean it up, and we republish it. And I think one of the things that we've, we're starting to see, and certainly we've long pushed for, is, you know, what I really want to see on DataGov UK, for example, or some of these things is, and, and CCANSOP would support actually quite well, is saying, hey, here's the original data, and here's something that the community has created by taking all that data and, and cleaning, cleaning up, and here, here's the, uh, here's the you know, consolidated, high-quality version. And I think that kind of, that kind of you know, fork and patch, which really, you really see powerfully in operational software, is something that we, we can foresee, and it's just beginning, but I think it's really going to transform how how we do how we do data and open data um, this ability to really fork and patch and then say okay well you're looking for this data set but here's here's the cleaned up version um, and there are a bunch of things in, in, in CCAN for that I mean yeah I think, does that answer you Paul so. yeah and just really quickly I think it's also about engagement with data providers I mean because you sort of start off with people doing this more to fill kind of, uh, you know, to tick a box because they need to. And once you kind of show that data is being used, that people are cleaning it up, that there's some kind of feedback into, yeah. you know, these are downloads here are reports of when, when things are broken. And, and I think also as kind of the prominence of data and open data rises within the kind of the public eye, then these things will also just all improve. And... You you said feedback there as well, exactly. um, absolutely critical. How do you how do you drive feedback? Is feedback me leaving a comment on a website saying this data is rubbish, um, or is feedback me fixing the data and contributing it back into the pool? So I, I mean, Paul, that's an excellent. Yeah, you are, you picked on something I was just about to, to comment on that the era mentioned, which is is absolutely on the money. So. So the, the answer is, I think, feedback is two kinds. I mean, in my view, you have to be a bit blunt. I sometimes often think comments on websites are of limited value off sometimes. I mean, immediately, but they got to date. So I think one is the, the fork and patch you talked about. But the other, I think, is better feedback mechanisms to the providers. So certainly, you know, CCAN, which has been heavily used in, in government stuff, something we've worked on a lot, and put, you know, going back to this workflow thing, um, that we've worked on quite a lot with, for example, DataGov UK, is better mechanisms 
to, to get feedback. I mean, of the simplest kind. So DataGov UK, obviously, it does a very limited amount of data storage in DataGov UK, but a lot of it is linking out to data sets on department websites. And the simplest kind of brokenness that you get is just simply data disappears. You know, there's data that's linked to you that just doesn't exist any, you know, or has got moved. And so, for example, one of the things that's been built into CCAN or, you know, extension that you now have is the ability to, to kind of turn something on that just like every day or every week will go and check all the links, it will generate a report, it will, you know, that report gets emailed to the relevant owner of each data set saying, hey, you know, data set X, when we checked it on this day, it wasn't around anymore, um, you know, please, please can you fix it? And, you know, there's also extensions that, well, you know, here's, you're publishing, you know, spending data that's supposed to be formed to this format, please, please correct it. And the other thing we've just seen is also public, and that's kind of a private method, but also just public methods, I think it's something governments, you know, are, are somewhat reluctant to embrace. But, you know, I don't quite mean name and shame, but certainly a leaderboard saying, okay, you know, these, within government, this department is leading the leaderboard in data that, you know, has, you know, is high quality on these metrics or whatever, I think is a good way to drive, drive improvement. Um, so I think, I think those, those kind of features are things that you can add into a data management system to drive quality. Um, you know, the other thing that we've worked on that relates to that is kind of dashboards. You have very, see at a glance, you know, A, who's using your data, what, what, what you know, what, what the issue, you know, what issues are there if, you know, data's down, et cetera. Um, yeah. The other thing well, that's how, a or I was sorry. Just saying, well, how a data set has been sort of flagged as missing, you know, missing metadata or something else. It's another extension that we've kind of built, which lets users actually just say, hey, you know, this data set is missing you know, or this kind of metadata or description, or could you add it in this other format, for example? So we're sort of looking at really getting that feedback model uh, back in as part of CCAM. Okay, good. And a lot, as I said earlier, um, a lot of the early use of CCAN was very much public sector. Um, mm. What about private sector usage? Where, where are all these commercial adopters beginning to appear from? Well, I think, I mean, in our case, um, I mean, we're somewhat complex in this regard in that strictly because of our not-for-profit nature and, and what we're committed to doing, we ourselves probably don't, you know, don't supply directly to people doing closed data or, you know, proprietary data. That, that said, um, we've certainly seen interest uh, in that area and, and from other sectors. So one is we've seen an interest, obviously, just from not-for-profit. You know, a lot of NGOs, I mean, you know, have quite a lot of data internally um, that, they, that, they, that they may want to, to, to manage, either to publish externally or, or internally. In terms of, um, you know, business, the, the places that you can obviously see, you know, finance is obviously one. Healthcare is another. Healthcare has a vast amount of data. Obviously, that kind of data is almost always, certainly at the detailed, um, you know, most interesting level, is almost never going to be open data because of the privacy um, issues around it. Um, but that, those kind of sectors were definitely seeing interest. I mean, in a way, uh, it's called almost wherever you look at the moment. I mean, I think it's, I think it's interesting. I think it's kind of almost that there's, there's people who've got a problem and they don't yet even know quite how to name it. I mean, to give an, give an analogy uh, from, a, from a completely, you know, completely out of left field is I, I met someone who was running a biodiversity consultancy. That means they're advising often very large companies, you know, mining companies and so on about how to manage biodiversity issues around their, their, their mines, etc. And I was just shocked speaking to this guy a couple of months ago where he suddenly said to me, oh, yeah, well, we, you know, um, we have, you know, 35 gigabytes of geodata that we're having, to, you know, we've got a problem in our office of, you know, ten, uh, you know, eight people about how we manage this and share this because we get all this data about, you know, where's the railroad going to go and how much rainforest will it take out. And I think that was just an exemplar for me of just how far, you know, quite substantial amounts of data are, are penetrating into almost every, every business. I mean, obviously not every, but, but very large amounts of of, of business of, of any kind now involves using and managing data sets. And I think almost it's like the early days of the web, going back to the analogy, I don't think people quite, they kind of are beginning to realize that, that this model of like, hey, we just stick it on a disk and, oh, you know, we mail it around doesn't really scale. You know, if you've got a 200 megabyte data set, you're not just going to email that around. Um, you know, how is it getting backed up? You know, how is it getting shared between you and your colleagues? Um, how do you find it again six months later? Um, so almost everywhere we look, we're seeing we're seeing interest in this kind of thing. 
Okay. Yeah, I would also say so. While I while our main clients really are um, governments, the other thing that we as a, the Open Launch Foundation are trying to do is really kind of build engagement and collaboration. So we're kind of happy for people to contribute and and use. So I've actually talked to companies who are thinking of using CCAN as a basis for something that they want to offer commercially as well, um, or or kind of plug into it to some extent. So I think there are kind of rising people, sort of the open data and data space is maturing and people are really starting to think as this as this is a, as a new space where they can innovate and do something new with and sort of CCAN is one of the, obviously one of the things that's on people's horizon. And CCAN is um, open source software that can be downloaded and installed on your own machines, um, which clearly opens up a lot of op- opportunities for one set of adopters but also is a barrier to entry for others, sure. which is where Data Hub comes in. Tell me about sure. Data Hub. Sure. I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, so, so, I mean, just to say two things there, I mean, and it's both the Data Hub and what we would call CCAN hosted. So I think the point you make, Paul, that's excellent is, you know, CCAN's open source. So one of the great things about it is anyone can go and take it and use it for free. And I think perhaps more importantly, this take it and use it for free, uh, mo- you know, modify it and adapt it. I mean, going back to that CMS analogy, why is why are open source CMSs so attractive? Because you're always you always want to tweak and modify and integrate it with other things. Um, so going, for, but for people, obviously there are people who just want something off the shelf. Now um, there are two options that we, the Open Knowledge Foundation, offer on that front right now. So one is the Data Hub, uh, the DataHub.org, um, which is in fact the original site that we developed and what we developed CCAN to power, which is a community place where anyone can share and publish and find data. Um, so anyone can go to the Data Hub, register, upload a data set, you know, re- you know add a link to a data set, etc. Um, and it has, quite, it has also some extra features. So like if you're a particular organizational company, you can have your own space on the Data Hub. You can go and you know, have a, a space that's just yours, that's kind of branded as yours, and where you know, your data sets are, 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 are listed. In addition, what we have is an offering, a kind of SaaS offering, a software as a service offering called CCAN Hosted, where you just come to us, um, you say, hey, I want, I want a CCAN deployment, I maybe want it themed, I want it at this domain, and we can deploy that you know, in, in a, you know, four hours or whatever, and bam, you've got, you've got uh, your, own DM, your own data management system deployed and ready to use um, right there. And that's a, a SaaS offering, so we, we will deal with all the hosting, with upgrades, with security, there's an SLA, etc. Um, and, and that's how some of the CCAN deployments we've done with people have been run. So we've, we've had a mix of people taking it, sometimes having support from us, but running their own. Um, some cases we've done SaaS options. In some cases, people just obviously taking the software and run it themselves. Um, and I guess you know, one of the, the big opportunities we all see, I think, in terms of this, this growing availability of data on the web is when people start to, to link it together, to join those data sets together, whether that's formally using linked data principles from the semantic web community yeah. or actually just making connections between different facts in different places using a, a hyperlink, however they choose yeah. to do it. Does the fragmentation of you know, lots of different CCAN deployments get in the way of that or is it a surmountable issue? Um. So, I mean, so one answer to that is that one thing we've been doing is doing a little bit of centralization with the data hub. So we, you know, by default now, if you're like a community, you just come along, we would encourage you to use the data hub. And partly less about the fragmentation because of the interlinking, but also just the, the kind of social scale of it. You know, you want, uh, you know, want more people, if you can, in one place. But I think the simple answer to that also is, we're ne- you know, we're never going to have a one ring to rule them all model. It's just, you know... No one and no one should just own, you know, this is the, the one data hub where everybody goes. Um, I just don't I just don't see that as feasible. It's kind of like saying well, there's just going to be one website on the Internet. Um, uh, you know, even with something like Wikipedia, which is amazing and is used by a lot of people, there are many other websites out there. Um, and so, you know, it, w- rather than I think trying to say, look, there's just going to be one place. What we see, while we you know try to limit fragmentation, where we think that's detrimental. In general, people have got to have that if you want want their and probably need their own spaces. And what we do instead there is we have kind of features built into CCAN that can help 
address perhaps the damaging aspect that I'd like, you know, everything's strewn all over the place, which is we have quite a good federation architecture in what we call kind of metadata harvesting systems so that, you know, you can, you can say, let's say you're a government, you might want to have different uh, CCANs deployed, sometimes in you know, different departments, or let's say in the UK, you know, local government or, or in other countries, you know, municipalities may have CCAN or data management system deployments, but then you want to aggregate that information up into, you know, a central government hub. And CCAN has quite a lot of uh, really quite powerful features for that, driven in part by use, a need here in, in the UK and DataGov UK to be able to um, pull in information in relation to Inspire. So CCAN has powerful features for pulling uh, metadata from other CCAN instances or, in fact, non-CCAN instances and pulling it together into one central data hub. Um, I think that's kind of one answer. I mean, I think the deeper question, Paul, you're asking there is about the point, one of the points, one of the really powerful things about open data, perhaps the world of data we're entering now is about interlinking things, about linking things together. And one of the things that open data has special about it is its ability to facilitate scale. Um, now, exactly, exactly how that operates is debatable. Uh, my view um, is that that doesn't happen by just creating some massive centralized blob of data. It happens more like what we do in software, which is we componentize. We create, you know, different libraries, but libraries which fit together. Um, you know, it's like Lego. We get different blocks and we then be able to put those blocks together. Um, which is why I think, by the way, the future is small and medium-sized data, not big data, in some sense. But, but that's a different, a different debate, possibly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and as we begin to see this roll out from, from government, where there's clearly you know, a, a legislative drive um, to do this, into the, the commercial sector, how does the the debate and the proposition begin to shift? I mean, on, on one hand, there's a perception that all data should simply be, you know, a Google search away. And on the other hand, there's a corporate driver that perhaps says, all of this data is mine. Every fact I own gives me commercial advantage over the competition. Mm. I'm not letting it out of the building. Um, how do we begin to challenge and, and work with some of those sort of opposing presumptions? Well, I mean, I, I really, I and mean, again, I just feel we, we can be so we can learn so much from from the so, you know software, which in some sense has gone before here. I mean, open source software exists. I think it's growing in popularity. It doesn't mean there's not huge amounts of, of very valuable uh, proprietary commercial software out there as well. And I think the same thing will happen with open data. Uh, oh, sorry, da sorry, with data generally. I think there'll be a growing amount of open data, both from governments, um, which has an obvious logic to doing that, but even from companies. I mentioned Nike earlier, and I'm certainly seeing companies around recently. There are more and more of them saying, well, okay, you know, we're not going to release all our data. We're not going to release you know, this commercially valuable. But, you know, for example, I talked with someone um, from, from, from uh, kind of a consumer, you know, consumer food manufacturer I said, well, you know, okay, you're not going to release your, um, you know, you're not going to go release all perhaps all of your sales data openly. But, you know, why wouldn't you want people to have access to the list of all the products in your product line and, you know, some of their characteristics? Um, you know, wouldn't that actually be useful? You know, wouldn't it be useful if people could build apps? Um, I think, you know, we could see. So in that logic, I think the thing often to think about, even as a, as a company which may even have a lot of proprietary data that's valuable, is you know, are, are there other data sets that you do want to release? And the other point I'd make is that things like CCAN certainly, they're generic. While we you know, obviously developed it and its first adoption has been around you know, open, data, uh, you know, open data and open data portals and so on, there's no reason that you couldn't use CCAN just inside an organization to manage your data internally um, better. And I think that, that that's um, you know also the case. So I don't, for me, I, I just think there's going to be a mixed a mixed ecosystem, and it's completely fine and, and logical that some some data is going to remain closed and proprietary. In fact, large amounts of it, um, while at the same time seeing I think increasing amounts of open data. The other thing I'll just quickly add to that is basically I think the lower you make the entry sort of barrier to entry, the more engagement you're going to have. So kind of open data, the reason that's sort of quite powerful is that basically anyone can come along and do whatever they want with it. So I think more companies are sort of seeing, um, making things open, you know, people are making code open source or their data open as a way just to get people to engage with what they're doing. 
And I think that's very powerful for, for companies to actually get interest and, and enthusiasm and kind of growth into their products. Yes, indeed. And I think that there's perhaps a growing recognition as well that companies can pool non-core data from other places rather than exactly. having to gather it and curate it themselves. But what becomes important there perhaps is are things like provenance and audit trail. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how, how do we begin to allow them to trust the data? You know, So the Department of Transport in the UK puts some data up. It's not very good. Um, some strange bloke called Rufus Pollock, who I don't know, cleans it up. How do I <laughs> yeah. begin to trust him and the path from the Department of Transport to actually start using those road positions or whatever they are in my own app? Well, I, I mean, I, I, again, I, I sometimes I think this is a great deal of rocket science. And I think there's sometimes a big debate about the technical aspect of this. You know, how do we build provenance trails into the data itself? You know, how, how do we see each change step? But again, like, look at software. I mean, okay, software has very powerful change control, uh, you know, revision control. That, by the way, you know, something we obsess about and are very, very interested in uh, ourselves. But just stepping back from that, you know, when I go and download a piece of software, it's the reputation of the organization I'm associated with. Be that, sorry, be an organization entity. You know, if I, if I go to GitHub or I go just on, online and I look at something, you know, I, you know, I look at the ratings it's got, I look at how many other people are using it, I, do I know this person, do I know what reputation they have? So I think the same thing will happen with data. They're going to be people who build up a reputation in a particular area, or organization that build up a reputation, and the classic mechanisms, just ratings, feedback, report. You know, I get a GitHub, how many people are watching this? You know, you know, how many other people do I think are using it? I go and get a WordPress plugin or I download WordPress. I think WordPress are reliable. Um, you know, I use Windows, it's provided by Microsoft. I think those, those same things will just happen with data in the sense that the organization you will get that data from will be a guarantee to some extent of its quality, its provenance, and etc. Yes, yes, I would, I would agree. Um, and pres how, how much scale do we require before that begins to work? You know, you, you look in some parts of the web um, and, you know, there's, there's one or two ratings on a product. Is that enough right. to make a decision? Or do you need to have 10 or 20 or 100? Uh, oh, excellent question, Paul. I mean, I, th I think the answer to this is I think we do need some scale. I think we do need some scale currently beyond... Um, what what exactly we have. I also think there's this kind of aspect of the rich ecosystem that, that I mentioned earlier. So you know, one classic point at the moment is almost every government data portal at the moment doesn't really have a mechanism for the community um, to publish back onto it. I mean, it doesn't. It wouldn't necessarily have to be the same. It wouldn't. Have, obviously, it would be clearly tagged as this is community provided data sets um, versus you know uh, government. But I don't know that that aspect that it, it's. Of, of, of having some way to really sh showcase um, close to the original data, this high, it's improved or quality data. And also you can imagine government there taking a role in moderation to kind of kick, to kickstart this kind of issue, which is, oh, well, if it's only got two ratings, I think if, you know, if the UK government were like, okay, well, we've, we, you know, we've checked this guy, it, it's, it's high quality. And obviously this is what you see with, you know, app stores or marketplaces that get run for mobile, you know, mobile stuff, which is often there's a curation and approval process to get in, which, which helps solve that problem of, you know, you know, I don't know, actual malicious stuff or, or, or whatever, and also basic quality approval. So I think that's the other thing um, that, that, that could be happening is, is a community start to do that. And for example, we've seen that on the Data Hub to some extent. So the linked open data cloud group kind of, kind of QA the data sets that make it onto the Data Hub in the linked open data group. Um, and so that's one example where you've got a kind of community doing some acting as a bit of a, a gatekeeper to ensure quality. Yeah. So I guess that this, this sort of broad series of podcasts is exploring the whole question and concept of data markets um, yeah. in all their, their various forms. Um, some of them are about making money. Some of them are about sharing open data. Some of them are about some mm. mix of the two. This is a term that certainly analysts are getting quite excited about, I guess, on the back of things like big data. Um, you know, data mm. market is, is the next big thing. It'll be on a, a Gartner hype cycle somewhere. Yeah. Is it real? 
are data markets real or are actually you and Infochimps and Microsoft and all the others doing things that are actually very different? Yeah, I mean, I must confess I'm somewhat sceptical of the data market conception. Um, I mean, it's why I specifically described CCAN as a data management system. I mean, we don't generally, I mean, there are content markets, I guess, out there of some kind. But, you know, we don't generally talk about, you know, I, I go to the web and there's all kinds of stuff. But I don't think people haven't been that successful trying to go, okay, here's a place and everyone comes to this market. I, I think that's part of the logic here, which is... I see this as going to be a more distributed network setup and one in which data isn't really just like apples and oranges that we can vendor the market. Um, I mean, I think there's obviously going to be a role for the ability to buy data on demand. I mean, that's, I mean, I'd say that's what we already have a lot. You know, people buy access to certain APIs. What, are, what do Bloomberg or other financial data providers or even, you know, what is Google doing when it charges for its Maps APIs, ultimately providing for access to data in addition possibly with a service. Um, I, mean, I think that's a crucial point, by the way, in that, which is one of the other reasons I'm somewhat skeptical about data markets is normally data on its own, you know, data normally is part of a service, it's part of an analysis, it's part of, of, part of something else. And so I think it's going to be much more likely that people are buying, you know, if you like, uh, you know, a service market, if you like, uh, or an app market which uses data, then people have to just buy off the shelf apples and oranges of, oh, yeah, I want this financial time series here and that thing there. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I, for me, the terms I like to think of are data hubs and data management systems. So kind of, you know, you know I, again, I think a hub is somewhere people come and, come and participate in. It's got a social aspect, which is around the quality and about community. Um, I think it's got some, you know, something about the idea of things plugging into it. So data market has this idea of you know, just like buyers and sellers come there. I think the thing about hubs is they're places that services build on, where you have integration, where it's about not just being a place everyone, the one ring to rule them all, but the kind of small pieces loosely joined. And I think in terms of the base product, I think data market has this somewhat connotation of like, wow, everyone's going to come to my one site. Whereas at least our logic in something like CCAN as a piece of software is, well, while we run the data hub, and we think that's a very useful data hub people come to, there are going to be people who want to run multiple different data sites. Uh, you, know, you know, just as not everyone wants to go and put, you know, everyone has their own little website. They don't go and all put it into some massive central, uh, you know, content marketplace. Um, so in that sense, I'm somewhat skeptical on, 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 on the kind of pure concept of a data marketplace. Uh, yeah, <laughs> in short. Irina, what do you think? I actually agree with Rufus to a large extent. Um, I think you know, I think it's the kind of the trends of big data and, and the kind of interest is really is really interesting. But I again, I think some of the excitement and the the sort of the focus and the way things are going is, is sort of a little naive. And like I said, I think we'll we'll see more of a distributed model. And I think in general kind of the internet that that will be sort of the way things are going. I mean now maybe most people use Gmail or something and it's all kind of central but I think as everything grows then um, kind of decentralization and and more kind of collaboration standards between so the interoperability and, and how things can talk to each other will be more important and the services as Rufus was suggesting the services exactly. built on top I don't actually yeah. want data I want an answer exactly. to a question or I want exactly. I mean, and that goes back to what is the value of data I mean data by itself is sort of isn't very valuable it's when you put it into a context and you do something with it that you know when it provides an answer to a question that's really when it becomes powerful um but but also in the terms of how power people make money in and around data i think it also will be quite sort of service um you know or consultancy or customization orientated and yeah I think, I, sorry i mean no, I just, I, i've added on that very quickly i think it's just it, it, it's kind of what we've seen in software right i mean ibm to some, you know, the, the classic story, right, is IBM went from a company that sold, you know, sold hardware or sold software directly. It still does that to some extent, but what it sells, you know, it sells the services it uses on that. Why is it happy to use Linux? Well, because it's not selling the operating system. It's selling the overall product that incorporates Linux, but is, a, is around about service. I think we're going to see very much the same thing with data. There will be some pure data vending, of course. 
But, you know, I mean, it's like, if I, you know, even you see it with Bloomberg already, you know, many of the things you're buying when you're buying some of the most valuable data in the world, which is financial data, you're buying the services around it. Or, you know, it's when you buy map data nowadays, you're buying the service, not you know, implicit in that as the data, but you're buying the service. I think that's just, that's just the way it's going to go. If you've, got a, if you've got a pure data product business model right now, you should be worried and you should be saying, what services am I building around this data that I'm building on top of this data that make, that make it valuable? And how far up that stack would the Open Knowledge Foundation be prepared to go? Well, I mean, I think, I think um, in some, uh, well, it's a good question. I mean, in some sense, we do quite a bit of, I would say, kind of consultancy or advice or, or work, be pro bono or otherwise, where we do things with data. Um, you know, we're very well aware that it's not the data per se. Um, so, I, I mean, I think we we already have interest and, and do work around that. I think, you know, just to emphasize the other point of that, right, is even if you're even if you're buying the services, you have an increased need for the tools. Why why what you know, why have CMSs or open source software generally um, for building web apps? You know, why has it been such a runaway success and, and people make a you know, people are um, make good money from it is because the more that you're building services, the more that you want good underlying tools, which is why I think the future for something like CCAN is is bright um, in that sense. And I think, you know, I also make the point there that when you're buying an underlying tool, when you're building your service, you buy, want to buy a tool, not only, you know, the open source free aspect is just one aspect, but it's more like you're getting, you're getting to buy, you know, the community, the partners, the documentation, other stuff that makes, makes this something, a, a platform that's attractive to build on. Um, so I think from the point of view of the Open Knowledge Foundation, we are definitely interested at, at several levels of that stack. And you can see something like open spending as being something of a service built on top of the raw data. You know, it offers visualization, it offers essentially business intelligence um, on this open financial data that's built on top of the, the raw data that's there. And Paul, just to say, I mean, I would just chip in to say, I think we're actually kind of quite advanced on that scale because being the Open Knowledge Foundation and having all the kind of communities interested in open data around us, our focus is very much on getting value out of out of data. And, you know, CCAN obviously is just a sort of sub-project, but it's part of a wider sort of ecosystem network where we connect with people and what, what are they trying to do? What What is the point of this? How can we make this process or this thing easier? And CCAN is very much building the tools to enable that and streamline that. So I think that's really kind of our focus as being part of the of, of a wider network. Okay, sounds good. Well, I'm conscious of the time, so thank you both very much for your time. It's been great talking to you, and I, I look forward to seeing how things move for, forward from here. So thank you very much. Thank you very much, Paul. Great thank speech. you. Thank you.